Hello, everybody. Good day, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show, the huge show, the mammoth show. The show that could only be recorded in Mammoth Cave, it's so big, except for it were, we're not our there. Car. We've been to Mammoth Cave, though. It's, it's a fairly small car. But it's so- kind of cool. We've been to Mammoth Cave. We've been to to uh, Ca- Merrimack Caverns, which is our local show cave. We've been to uh, Carlsbad, which is really impressive. Take the natural entrance down, trust me on this one. It, but your knees may explode if you have bad knees like I do. <laughs> but it's still cool. It was still worth doing, even though I hobbled for the next day. And uh, we've been to Wind Cave, which was surprisingly cool. Yeah. Who knew? Wind Cave, yes. Yeah, yeah I didn't know about that one until we were out there. It's the world's longest cave. Down by Custer State Park. Now that they've pretty much hooked it over to the cave that's next to it. It's really a, it's a spaghettified cave. It's really cool. But we're, we're not talking about caves today. We love caves. We're cavers. Sort of. If by cavers we mean we like going around in caves that other people have already planned yeah. out for us. We're tame cavers. We're tame cavers. <laughs> Welcome to the show, and today we have a we have a topic that is very fresh on Spice's mind because she's just written the article to accompany it. In fact, this is kind of a hey, let's do a podcast to accompany the article instead of sometimes we we do it the other way we do a podcast and then write the article to basically be a super show notes for it. So I'm going to let her take over. She's going to take control of the situation and fill you in on what it is we're talking about. Well, it's spring here, and finally, finally, uh, things are starting to flower, and the bees are out and buzzing. Bees are in it. And I love bees. Bees are cool. But not everybody loves bees, because bees can kill some people. Yeah, it's funny, because I was looking here here at the... We were out looking at our apple trees yesterday in the front yard, and we're just cheering on the little bees. You go over here, now you go over the other tree, because our trees require cross-pollinization. And I'm sitting there, and the bees are buzzing all around me, and I'm not thinking a thing about it. But I'm assuming if I had a bee allergy, that's the last thing I would be doing. You would not have been so calm and cheering for the bees. You also love peanut butter, which also kills people. That one's weird. A peanut butter allergy thing? How virulent that can be. It's really... That's... Yeah. That's potent. And shellfish. Shellfish. Yeah. And some other things as well. I think shellfish would be one of the hardest ones to deal with because you'd really have to watch eating out. And peanuts, true. Yeah. The problem is what's called anaphylactic shock. It's an allergic reaction. Uh, an allergy is, okay, suppose you're at a picnic. And a mosquito buzzes around. Uh, Want to put that on pause for a moment? Yeah, we have to pause. We had a minor disaster. I dropped my drink on the floor. Fortunately, it was sealed, so one moment. We're Success. Back. We're back. She saved me. You're at a picnic. A mosquito lands on the forehead of a child. And, of course, you don't want the mosquito biting the child. So you take a sledgehammer and hit the mosquito. Well, that would be one way to do it. Yeah, it's hard on the mosquito, but it's even harder on the kid. And, well, it's not harder on the kid, but it's too hard on the kid. And that's the point. An allergy is when your immune system, which should remove foreign proteins, gets completely carried away and launches such a vigorous attack on a relatively harmless protein that it can very literally kill the person having the immune response. Now, I'm a person who deals with a lot of 
uh, allergies. I am, in fact, allergic to when the pollen comes out of creeping red fescue, which in the Midwest is, makes, makes late May a miserable time for me because it's, that's when the creeping red fescue comes out. My allergies, though, are annoying and inconvenient. They don't kill me. So wh- what's the deal? The deal is some people, uh, you have different lines of immune system, uh, of uh, white blood cells, and each one attacks a particular foreign protein. And some people have one or more of those particular lines of white blood cells lose all restraint and attack something with maximum vigor, and that sort of immune response is so vigorous it can kill you. So somebody who's allergic to peanut has one protein on the peanut that they have one kind of white blood cell that's supposed to remove that protein, and it's just completely out of control and goes nuts and drives the rest of the immune system nuts, so to speak, whenever there's peanut protein around. And how you know, anaphylaxis is not sneaky. If it is something that's on your skin or in your skin, like a bee sting, or handling peanuts, you'll see the reaction within minutes of exposure. If it's something that you ate, you might see it within minutes, or it might take maybe up to half an hour, but not really longer than that. So if it's an anaphylactic reaction, you're going to see noticeable, really get your attention kinds of symptoms in less than half an hour. And the kinds of symptoms you get uh, it's if you took a normal mosquito bite and completely supersized it, it's about what you'd get. Swelling, which is really dangerous if it happens to be your throat tissues that are swelling because you kind of breathe through that region. Um, itching, tingling. Um, the swelling takes fluid out of the blood vessels, so there's not as much blood left in the blood vessels. So the blood pressure gets really, really low. And people can become faint. They can pass out. They can get confused. And uh, the scientific term is stuporous, which is kind of medical speak for really stupid, where you just can't track what people are saying and tend to stare blankly into space. Uh, Kids will stop playing and just kind of sit around, or sometimes they get really, really cranky. It's harder to tell what's going on with a kid, of course. The airways can constrict. So you'll hear the person breathing, and you if it's low down in the lungs where stuff is constricting, it'll come out like a, a whistle, a wheeze. But if it's higher up because they ate something and their throat's trying to close up, you get what's called stridor, which is this grating, vibrating sound with every breath. In either case, you know you got a serious problem with uh, respiration, and that means you got a serious problem. Full stop. That's anaphylaxis. Okay. And the best solution when you have anaphylactis is to have a Hollywood actor who has a pen knife <laughs> or any kind of pocket knife and a hollow pen so they can stick it in the neck and that solves the problem forever, correct? In Hollywood that solves the problem forever. <laughs> that's how you that's how you deal with this, isn't it? Uh, an EMT person would establish an airway, although not with a bick. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Hey, guys, when you see that on the TV, don't try that at home. Really, seriously. It's, all you're going to do is cut your mate's throat apart, and they're going <laughs> to die anyway. So just really don't do that one, okay? 
That's, uh, a, that's I, a Hollywood one. I could get that done. You could get that done, but you sure I, wouldn't I've be using the I've done it on rats, bit. and the rats were okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, the absolute best answer is to have epinephrine ready to inject right there on hand and have emergency medical services phone call away. That's what I recommend if you're going to have an anaphylactic reaction. Now, we have a real, I have, I don't know, we haven't talked about this much, but I have a real problem with the people who make EpiPens gouging people for what they are. It's we can ridiculous. put weed in there. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's flatly EpiPen, evil is it what should it is. not be, I mean, there's nothing in that device that is a high, expensive thing. The drug is not even patentable because it's been well-known for so long. It's just the delivery system that they've patented. Right. Now, I think an EpiPen, we can't get them because they're prescription. But to me, an EpiPen, if you could have one, would be a great, a fantastic uh, item for every prepper to have in their emergency pack. It's possible that you could talk a physician friend into who is sympathetic to prepping concerns into letting you have a prescription for one. I don't know. But it's know. still going to cost you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yeah. of dollars. Uh, for wilderness medicine, they also sell little vials of epinephrine with different syringes that you can use. But, yeah, I would certainly take that if I could get it. But for somebody who's never given an injection or loaded a syringe before, when you're trying to get it done in five minutes because somebody's turning blue, it would still be a uh, now for you, exciting though, moment. Because she, she does a lot of wilderness hiking or, and is going to be doing a bunch more here in a bit. Uh, it wouldn't be bad for you to have this because your hiking partner is... <laughs> A physician. Why, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, you know. Since, I take my physician since, into the wilderness with me. Woohoo! Since Doc <laughs> is actually a doc and has actually done, even though this is what she does every day, uh, she's, um, uh, you know, works the rotations. This might be a plan for you. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I'll talk to her about that before we. Yeah. Actually, we go. there's actually probably two or three little bitty drugs. I mean, not, not none of the two or three things that you need a prescription for that you might want to talk to her about that with. Um, but we can talk in that in a different thing. Now, this is funny because this is one of those when you do brainstorming sessions. We do brainstorming. Okay, okay. What are we going to write about? What are we going to do? I've had an article on three by in the queue that I've did nothing more than put a title in it maybe a first paragraph maybe even not probably not i don't remember it's been there so long it's been there almost a year in our queue of anaphylaxis will kill you dead 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 and she's like you're right it will but they really don't know what to say about it other than don't get into anaphylactic situations but something has changed she came up with something so why why is it you're bringing this up but she came up with something he means i was researching the medical literature and came up with enough suggestions that will not save every situation, but will save a percentage of the anaphylactic situations. Yeah, so like that. She came up with some. It's <laughs> enough useful information that most people can realistically do that it becomes worth talking about. All right. Spill the beans. Okay. Suppose if, if the person's got epinephrine, you give them the epinephrine and you go. And there's details on dosing and stuff in the companion article that goes with this, dosing and timing and things like that. 
But if somebody's having that respiratory difficulty and they're maybe they're passed out or maybe they look like they're going to pass out, maybe they're nauseous, they're swelling, they got hives, all this stuff's going on, you don't have any epinephrine, you're not completely stuffed. Uh, these reactions differ in severity, and you might be able to uh, manage with less effective options. For example, first thing you do when something like that going on, adjusting their posture can really help them keep from crashing in the medical sense. And if they're having trouble breathing, most people who are having trouble breathing, you want to keep the torso straight, but you don't want them to be flat down on the ground. Most are more com most comfortable at an angle, maybe 45 degree angle. Some will be more comfortable sitting completely upright. And you let them make the choice on which of those is more comfortable, but you do prop them up from the flat. Because that'll help keep the tissues of the throat from falling in front of the airway a little bit. Help keep the airway open. Uh, sometimes you can do the uh, old Red Cross chin lift maneuver that they teach you during regular CPR classes. Or the person can lift their own chin a little bit and find out that it helps open their airway a little bit. That might also be of some service. If the person is, doesn't have an epinephrine injector, but they have a rescue inhaler for asthma. Which, unfortunately, are also entirely unavailable in the United States now. Yeah. Without a prescription. That was Until a few years ago, they were available over the counter, inhalable epinephrine. But they're not anymore. But they're not anymore. Uh, but those are a lot more common because there's a whole lot of people out there with asthma. So if you have a, an asthma rescue inhaler... It's likely to be what's called a beta-2 adrenergic agonist, which means it acts a lot like epinephrine. It's only going to reach the airways in significant concentration to be useful. But if they're having respiratory problems and you've got somebody with a rescue inhaler, you give them a dose from the rescue inhaler to help open the airways back up. <clears throat> now... This just reminded me, because one of the reasons that the epi things became so uh, banned, basically, is the daggone druggies. This is some of the stuff they can use to make methamphetamine. Yeah, epinephrine is a stimulant. Now... It's in the same... Tell them about that, that funny that you read yesterday about the uh, yeah. methamphetamine. This is a, that Aller was a cute one. Allergy season has gotten so bad... The addicts are taking their meth and trying to convert it back into Sudafed. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, so what about something like Sudafed? I mean, is it would that be of any way helpful? Because it's, uh, That you know. wasn't one of the recommended oral drugs. Okay. Uh, I'll get to the recommended oral drugs in a minute here. Oh. First, we're getting, we're getting the, the, we're giving the... these guys the asthma inhaler early, and then we're going to put them in the right posture so they can breathe better. If they are have turned pale and they're breaking a cold sweat and they're salivating a lot and they're getting nauseous, that means they are their blood pressure is way too low and they're near cardiovascular collapse. You want to save as much blood as possible for the important tissues, and right now that ain't the legs. So you elevate the uh, feet so the legs are above the level of the heart, which might mean you kind of have them in this uh, V-shape situation with both the feet and the head propped up to breathe better and keep blood there used to be and i don't know if it's still a common practice now this is something you really actually have to be trained on to do because it can really go badly really quickly 
Um, there used to be a treatment for uh, when you're having circulation and, and uh, uh, blood issues to do what's known as revolving tourniquets in the limbs. Now, I don't know if that's still done, but even if it is, you really don't want to do that without training. I don't know if anybody does it, but I'm not going to be recommending it. Cause, no, I'm not recommending it. Yeah. I'm just saying. But that's the same idea is to reduce the blood flow. Yeah. In the, now, tourniquets are something that you really need to know what you are doing. It's not that big of a deal if the guy's uh, uh, main artery in his leg is is squirting out his life's blood and he'll be dead in a minute. You do whatever it takes to stop that bleeding. But that's a you know, that's about the only reason that I would recommend anybody putting a tourniquet on. Recommendations for tourniquets are starting to ease up again. They're finding out it wasn't as bad to restrict flow to those we'll, extremities we'll do another, as possible. We're going to do another control bleeding yeah. thing. So we'll get back to that. We have one actually good, very good control bleeding podcast and article on our site. Because this is something that I think all preppers need to know how to do really well. I think it's con- a two-part series. Uh, yeah. is to control bleeding. But we'll come back to that later. Go right yeah. ahead. So... Now that we've got them in this more helpful position, uh, the next thing to do is think about what we can give them for oral drugs to help reduce the intensity. Uh, There are some over-the-counter antihistamines that are recommended. Not particularly Sudafed. It's mostly a decongestant. Oh. And a decongestant is... It does some other things, too. It does do some other things. It it does have a kind of a, a ephedrine effect. Some of the ephedrine effects, yes. But it's not really on the list for this. What is, is our old friend diphenhydramine, otherwise known as Benadryl. And, and we, we always keep that on hand at all times. Always. And always. we have helped friends avert, avert emergency medical situations with them before when they ran into allergy problems. Uh, wasn't quite bad enough that they wanted to call an ambulance, but if they didn't have any diphenhydramine in a hurry, they were going to have to call an ambulance. One of those situations. Now, this is one of those. This is how much we believe in that stuff. In in this car, I know, for example, we have three different containers in this car with diphenhydramine in it. That's how much this one. This one is one of the ones we really pay attention to because this one can save your life. Yeah, it's an antihistamine that blocks some of the most dangerous kinds of allergic reactions is the primary reason that we carry it. And it helps interrupt these. So diphenhydramine. Uh, the Wilderness Medical Society was saying you should give five, uh, 50 to 100 milligrams by mouth to an adult every four to six hours. And that will reduce the intensity. By the way, even if they pass the first little crisis... You want to make sure you keep watching the person for 72 hours. It usually happens before then, though. About 30% of these reactions are biphasic, which means it gets really nasty right after the exposure. And, of course, when somebody is this sick, they get really freaked out. In fact, a sense of doom is one of the official recognized symptoms of anaphylaxis. Because you turn the part of your nervous system that runs the fight-or-flight response way, way up to try and rescue your breathing and blood pressure. Which, and that makes you feel really anxious. There, but there's, there's actually, you know, part of, part of doing that 
is actually makes sense in a physiological way because yeah. what that does is that releases a big jolt of adrenaline. <laughs> Adrenaline's going to help. Yeah. Adrenaline, adrenaline and exactly epinephrine are the same thing. The Brits and the Americans couldn't agree on what to call it, so we use both names. Yeah. But it's the same stuff. And when somebody gets into an anaphylactic reaction, they are going to release their own adrenaline, and that is going to help rescue them. And in some cases, it's enough to get them past the first crisis. But when they start to calm down, if they're still trying to have the immune reaction, the immune reaction will poke its head back up once the terror of the situation backs off and the fight-or-flight nervous system response backs off. Okay, now... So it's biphasic. Now, there is... You're, you're going to laugh, okay? <laughs> there is one other thing you can do uh, if you're in a situation where... You know, the person's really getting that way, and you want to re-stimulate that immune reaction, and that is literally to scare the crap out of them. <laughs> that will cause an adrenaline spike, and that will do the same. Now, this not, You're not going to um, have to. You're not going to have to. They have cleaned off that runway. Yes. They might. They look like they're getting ready to land airplanes there again. Or sell. I think they're ready to sell it, and that's one of the selling points is that runway. Oh, we're driving past a private runway. That kind of had weeds growing in it, and I was like, well, it's a shame they're letting that runway go. But they're not at the moment. So, anyway, driving right along. You're not going to have to intentionally go out of your way to scare them? It depends on the person. No, when your blood pressure (laughs) drops like that. No, it it depends on the person, because sometimes it's fun. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes you're... If you want to just tell yourself, hey, this will be good for them. (laughs) Wah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then you're a pretty dark and evil person, i got to tell you. (laughs) You say it like it's a bad thing. Uh, yeah, feeling like you're suffocating to death is pretty frightening for most people. Yeah. And I've so. been there. I've had a, I've had a couple of situations where I've just been so clogged that I was sleeping in my, you know, I woke up feeling like I was suffocating because I've been trying to breathe through my nose and it was really a panic situation. Yeah. You'll wake up with nightmares of suffocating often. I don't get that much anymore. And we can talk about that at some other podcast because I've changed the way I sleep so that I sleep with elevated, my head way elevated. And it's just really helped that. So this position I just described for easing breathing in the... Right. Sit them down in a a reclining chair, not a bed. And you put their legs up and you put a couple pillows under their legs to get their legs good and high. And then they're going to be sitting in the recliner and they're going to be much more comfortable. That's the perfect position. Yeah. That's exactly what she's talking about. Don't put them on a bed. Put them in a reclining chair. Which, of course, I think the greatest invention of mankind has ever been is a reclining chair. Because it puts you in a really perfect position. So take one of the woods with you. I take one of the woods with me. He does. <laughs> I, do, I literally yeah. do because it does such a good job of keeping your airway open and free and your head um, your head above your heart but your legs up. and Yeah, anyway. So I would give him the, if it were me, I'm not a physician, guys. So nope, not a, this me, is not neither. me giving medical advice. But if it were me taking care of somebody, I'd be giving them the diphenhydramine even if they had passed the initial crisis. You're also, legally, you're in really good position for this because it is just an over-the-counter drug. So there's that. Now, we do have to give you a caveat on all this. We are not physicians. But a lot of these allergies are really strongest in young people. 
or they're not as careful. <laughs> Young people don't tend to be as careful. Maybe it's more of that than the other. I don't know. But you have to really be careful to watch giving anything to a young person who you are not the guardian of. <laughs> that will get you in trouble. So you give the pedatrils to their mother or father to give to them. If, I, if you're the sort of person who's worried by lawyers, you could hand the person the diphenhydramine and tell them what it is. That is what I've done. I've yes. done that in the past. Now, if it's an adult, yeah, that's not that big of a deal because they're responsible for whatever they put in their own body. But if it's a kid, if it's a five-year-old or a ten-year-old. It's not, well, they are less careful. But they also, are less careful. somebody who has not been allergic to things before can become allergic to things, particularly if they get a big dose. I was just reading one of these articles I read as, as background was, oh, this person has never had any sort of allergy before, but she went off into the Amazonian rainforest and then got stung by half a dozen wasps at once. That got bad. Yeah, uh, and uh, there's other things, too, like especially in like where we live, which is a very rural area, there's a very good chance that a, that a kid in 8th grade or 7th grade has never had shellfish before. Because their parents around here don't eat shellfish. They may be having shellfish for the first time or the second time. The first time. First time you don't have a response ever. Nobody has a response yeah. the first time. You have to train the white blood cells to get that aggressive. You know, so, so diphenhydramine, uh, chlorotrimeton. I, I forget the trade name of that one off the top of my head. It's not one I usually use. And uh, certazine, which... Trade name is uh, the uh, one of the brand names that's most popularly known is Zyrtec. We're all recommended by different sources as oral antihistamines that were useful to give to somebody. Do they use in different paths or are they the same thing? Overlapping but not identical paths. I don't use the chlorotrimeton, so I'm not familiar with its path. But I know the Zyrtec and the Benadryl don't have the exact same action. Well. You don't want to stack an overdose. The reason I ask that is, yeah, we've got to watch for overdose if you give them both. And and you just, sometimes, I mean, when in doubt, don't. (laughs) It's possible also that somebody around will have some oral uh, corticosteroid drugs. Because these are often given for people who suffer from eczema, rashes, psoriasis. Uh, People who had transplants take them regularly to chill the reaction of uh, transplant rejection. Uh, people with autoimmune disorders often take things. These are prednisones and things like that. A lot of the places that I looked at recommended oral corticosteroids if they were available. At what? I think it was... Uh... Nope, I don't know that I had doses for those. But the doses I do have are in the accompanying article. Okay. What else you got for us today? Uh, if it was a bee... Uh, First of all, you get stung by the first bee. It might be because you've invaded bee territory. This is the time when it's good to be brave Sir Robin and bravely run away. Leave the bees. Most will leave you if you run away from them. Most will let you go. There are some really aggressive species, but not most of them. Uh, if you are trying to pull on your bug-out boots for the first time you've worn them in months, be aware that queen wasps like to hibernate in places like boots. So I store my boots with the two necks stuffed into each other so it's difficult for insects to get into there. I've heard this trick before. I've 
I ran into this trick with my toes once when I was a kid, so. Uh, if you, I'm sorry, go right ahead. Uh, no, go. If you have another one that I really have to watch because I have, we ride bicycles, but sometimes we'll have bicycles in our shed. And if you have bicycle bags, like a little bag to put your stuff in on the oh, front yeah. of your bike, that's a, they wasps love to use those to store it. Man, I had one on a, on a bicycle that was on my porch and I hadn't ridden it in two or three weeks. And I came out there and I grabbed the, grabbed the handlebar and like 10 wasps come flying out of the bag and none of them got me. Bravely run away, except keep your mouth shut when you do it, because you don't want one of these guys flying in your mouth. Don't swat at them. You're more likely to get stung if you swat. Bee, uh, bees are generally nice little creatures, but wasps are jerks. Yeah, wasps will sting you just because. Yeah, they just, they just, <laughs> well, there's words that, we keep this G-rated, okay, our, our podcasts are G-rated, but there, I have words to express what, exactly what I think of wasps, <laughs> and they ain't clean ones. They also refer to some body parts, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, wasps can be real body parts, <laughs> let's put it that way. So, yeah, leave. If there are any stingers in there, some bees sacrifice themselves when they sting to protect the colony because it rips the stinger out of them. If the stinger is still in there, scrape it away with something blunt, like the uh, the blunt side of a knife blade or a, a credit, credit card. card. Credit cards work great. And scrape it away. You get down, you put sig- significant pressure on the skin, and then kind of scrape upwards. Yeah. Put it flat on the skin and then so, scrape and it over. Put a little pressure on it. And then, yeah. Yeah. If you have to, if you don't have something to scrape it out with, and you got to grab it, if you've got uh, forceps or tweezers, uh, grab it right where it comes out of the skin. Because not all the juice is necessarily out of that stinger. That's yeah. The... You don't want to just grab the whole stinger and squeeze because you can inject more venom. But if you've got good fingernails, you can reach in, use your fingernails as forceps, and grab it near the skin and pull but it. But if out. you're like me and have no fingernails, because I keep mine trimmed right to the quick, because I can't stand long fingernails. Uh, You'll definitely want to use a credit card. Last time I had it, I used a credit card. Um, but it's not like removing a splinter. It's not. Because he doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night to take out the... Yeah, thing. we have wooden floors. So ice it, if you can, right after the sting. Because that will reduce the blood flow to the area, which slows the uptake of the venom, which makes the reaction less severe. And if you can... Try and not be real active with whatever limb it has been stung on, because the more active you are, the more blood flow, blah, 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 same thing. Yeah, elevate the limb above the heart if it's uh, on a limb. Okay. There it is. That, uh, we'll, we'll let it go with that. Uh, hope you Good enjoyed luck. our our anaphylactic episode, and we'll catch you next time. I generally don't enjoy anaphylactic episodes, but, you know. Um, <laughs> point. Yeah. Bye.